not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, we've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, Be break. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, welcome to the Digital Insurance Point Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell & Whale, Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance, and Steve Earle, CEO of Chief Insurance. And today we are very pleased to be joined by Justin Tuin, co-founder and CEO of Lowest Rates. Justin, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to turn the uh, the microphone over to Jeff here and then let Jeff uh, take Justin through our speed round. Great. Justin Tuin, how are you doing? Great to have you on the show. I've been a big fan of the show for a while, listened to all your episodes. So awesome to be a part of this. Hey, great to have you on. One of the fastest growing companies in Canada. So a big honor for us. And we'll get going here in the speed round. What is your favorite Canadian band of all time? I don't know if he's a band. I like Brian Adams. Seen a couple of his concerts. Saw one in Cape Breton a few years ago. So uh, yeah, Brian Adams. Brian Adams is great. I saw him a couple times in Ontario here. Fantastic artist. What is your favorite musician? Is Brian Adams or do you have a, a favorite musician we can go worldwide now. I don't know. I have pretty broad musical tastes. I actually, I sing in a rock choir also, so. No way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. little known fact. That is a awesome. rock choir. It's like a family thing. So my, my oldest daughter started in it, and then they branched out and they created an adult choir. Then my wife started a choir. She's a doctor, so you have to be a female physician to be in it. So we're like a family of rock choir singers now it's it's kind of different that's awesome what is your favorite family rock song instead of answering why don't you sing it yeah no not not gonna happen today anything by queen is kind of fun like the big the big rock the big rock anthems are always fun all right a little bohemian rhapsody from justin that would be great so i'll have to get you next time so awesome uh now are you are you a beer drinker or wine drinker what's your favorite cocktail of all time you know what i don't drink that much but uh when i do i, I like cocktails right now i appreciate what you sent out i'm drinking the garrison pucker up hey it's like 35 degrees now and this uh this tastes good so thank you very much for sharing this awesome yeah we got garrison you have the same one steve the italian pilsner is that what you got yeah now, do you play any sports, Justin? Yeah, I'm really big into sports. So I used to play tennis um, nationally, very competitively. I still play, but my body's kind of broken down. But, but I'm a massive sports fan. You know, as I grew up, I wanted to be a sportscaster. That was my dream job. So I'm huge into the NFL, NBA. You know, I play fantasy sports. I coach my kids' soccer teams. So sports is a huge passion of mine. 
what is your favorite pub in the UK? Do you have one? Did you have a go-to place when you were over there? I can't remember. So the pubs must have been really good. <laughs> and, the, and the last question we have is, when COVID is over and you can travel anywhere in the world, where, where will you go? First place I want to go to is Grand Cayman. It's my favorite place. We go there every year for about three weeks. All right. Well, thanks, Justin. Our audience got to know you a little better. And the rock the rock choir is, is – you're the first person in a rock choir. So you definitely got a – you're in a league of your own right now. So great. I'm going to push down the the um, the desire to have you sing that particular uh, background, but it's like, <laughs> so I'm not quite sure. I'm going to, I'm, it's going to take me the whole episode to get over the whole rock choir thing. That is uh, that's awesome. So yeah, give us the uh, give us the the Justin two in thumbnail sketch and the uh, lowestrates.ca thumbnail sketch, and then we'll get into the. Uh, the whole back and forth here. Sure. So, I mean, the easiest way to understand lowestrates.ca is it's like Expedia, but instead of comparing flights and hotels, we compare personal financial items like car insurance and like home insurance. And we got the idea when I was working in the UK. I used to work in the internet gaming industry back in the, the 2000s and up till 2010. And everywhere you looked in the UK, you saw commercials for these financial rate comparison sites like moneysupermarket.co.uk. And then when I got back to Canada, because we were having our kids and I couldn't be in the UK so much, I was renegotiating my car insurance and I realized what a pain it was. And then we kind of put two and two together and we said, well, you know, consumers want choice. You know, in Canada, they want choice when it comes to comparing flights and hotels with Expedia when it comes to cars with AutoTrader, when it comes to you know everyday items with Amazon, but when it comes to their biggest financial expenditures like car insurance, home insurance, mortgages, et cetera, they just tend to stick with the company that they know that their parents have used or that they've used for years and they don't really compare the market. So we saw a big opportunity to bring that financial rate comparison space that we saw in the UK into Canada. And so we launched in 2012 with $150,000 and we said, we're either going to make this into something or the $150,000 is going to run out. And thankfully, the $150,000 hasn't run out and we've kind of grown, the snowball's grown slowly but surely. And here we are in 2021. You know, as you mentioned, we've been one of the fastest growing companies in Canada for the last four or five years. We generate, you know, 500,000 plus home and auto leads every single year. And we're proud to say we've saved Canadians over a billion dollars by using our site. From a broker perspective, what is the value proposition that lowest rates brings to them? Right. So let's take car insurance, for instance. So we sell brokers leads. So what is a lead? So a person comes to our website and they typically find us through Google and they go through our form. And then we compare a bunch of different insurance companies, so direct-to-consumer insurance companies, brokers, and then whichever company is offering the lowest rate to the consumer, we match that consumer with that broker. We only sell the lead once, and we match the two companies together, and then the broker tries to sell a car insurance policy to that individual. And we charge a price to that broker for that specific lead. And so what's in it for the brokers? What we try to be is the lowest cost per sale marketing channel at scale for brokers. So what we hope is that at scale, if you're really trying to scale and grow your brokerage 
aggressively that buying leads from us is the lowest cost per acquisition or per sale at scale, and also the most predictable. Because one of the underrated aspects of working with us is you tell us how many leads you want every day, that's how many we'll give you. Whereas if you're running your own marketing campaigns, someday you can get 100, some days you can get 300. And if you have bums in seats, it's inefficient if you have massively variable leads every single day, because some days you're not going to be able to answer the phone and you're going to alienate consumers. And then other days you're going to have people sitting there with nothing to do. So those are the two things that we offer is predictability and what we hope is um, very, very efficient marketing spend from an acquisition perspective. You said that you match the consumer to the lowest rate and you only sell a lead once. Is there a term on that selling it once? No, it's within, it's within the month. So we look at it within the month because our perspective is if you're not able to sell them within a period of time and they keep coming back to our site, for whatever reason, you weren't a good match with them. They're not happy with what you have to offer. So it would be difficult for us to simply say, hey, you're not allowed to use our site again. What about the ones that I sold, Justin? So I've purchased a lead from you. Uh, let's whatever. We'll talk about close ratio later. But uh, so I've, I've closed the deal. They're a customer now and they return to your site in 10 months. Do you now sell that lead to Adam? It's interesting because this is a question that we do get a lot um, in terms of, you know, how aggressively do we go out and try to resell the people that we've sold to, to partners the year before? We don't do it that aggressively. You know, we have some competitors that go out and say, hey, Justin, good news. We found you a better rate than we found you last month. So we don't do that, but we'd be naive to think that people don't come back to us again. But Steve, I guess my rebuttal to that is that if they didn't come back to us, they'd be going somewhere else. Like they'd be going to Google and they'd be typing in car insurance rates and they'd be finding someone else. So as long as you're still working with us, you'll have a good chance to win them back. How difficult is it to build that logic in there either like with say it was say it's within the month. So say it's two weeks later and it comes back. Is it is it easy or difficult to pair it with that same relationship? So Steve's still got a purchase order open with you for X a day, and client A comes back in. Is that difficult or or even if that client backs out of it and goes back in the front door again for a home quote as opposed to the sold auto quote, is that an impossible logic set or is the system easily able to handle we did a contract with steve we can find honorable ways to suggest steve yeah no we can do we can do all of that it's not difficult from a technology standpoint but i think you know what it ends up coming down to is is the close ratio so when we talk to our partners we expect them to close in and around 10 percent of the leads that we send to them so as long as our partners are closing in and around 10 percent they're typically happy. We have some partners that claim they close close to 20. And then we have some that aren't as aggressive when they get the leads that only close maybe seven or eight. But 10% is kind of the magic number. And as long as they're closing 10%, they're typically happy. Like we can do different things in terms of not contacting a person within a certain amount of time or we can not charge for certain leads that, that, that are deemed to be fake. But the bottom line is that 10% closing ratio. That's the magic number that, that we kind of talk to partners about and seems to make them happy to pay the cost per lead fee that we have. Who closes better, directs or brokers? It's difficult to know. Not, not like We don't get the exact feedback in terms of, okay, 
we sent these hundred leads, which of these hundred leads closed. So we're really at the mercy of what they tell us. And there's some, there's one particular broker that tells us they close far better than everybody else. And then there's one direct that says they close comparable to that broker. Operation versus operation. And it, there's a massive difference because we've started up with directs or brokers that said, look, Justin, your leads are no good. We don't want to work with you anymore. And then we go through with them. Okay, so what do you do when you get the lead? And are you, are you counting, you know, home insurance sales, you know, for the, for the car insurance sales you've made and so on. And then lo and behold, they're now buying three or 400 leads per day from us just because they've changed their approach. Talk me through, so you, you got a, let's call that a traditional broker. Somebody, somebody who's new to you who isn't really, they're not really in the digital game yet, but they want to get in there. So they, they dip their toe in the pool, so to speak, by engaging with you. Talk, talk us through what kind of mental changes and operational changes does that broker have to go through to go from, oh, I'm used to doing referral networks where, you know, the guy would wait, uh, he'd, he'd leave me a voicemail message and he'd wait for two days to call me back because that was his expectation to all of a sudden I've got these fastballs coming in over the internet. And this is something that we used to overlook when we started. And even a few years ago, we viewed it, look, our job was to create the lead. We'd throw the lead over the fence. And then the broker, it was up to the broker to do what the broker did to close the lead. But we've realized the brokers, they just don't have experience working with the number of leads and the type of leads that come in like this. And so we do a lot to work with them. So we say, okay, look, when we send you the lead, what are you doing? Are you emailing the person right away? Are you texting them right away? Are you calling them right away? You know, if you don't get in contact with them the first time, how many other times are you trying to contact them the first day? You still don't get in contact with them? Okay, how about the second day? How about the third day? We're also asking them to better be able to track where the leads came from. A lot of brokers don't know where the lead came from. And so it's difficult for them to analyze how successful they are with different types of leads. So we say, look, you need to know, you know, did this person walk in your door or did this person come through lowestrates.ca or did they come directly to your site? So th there's a whole onboarding document that we have where our sales team works with the broker to make sure that they're set up best to succeed. And then we have subsequent conversations. If they're having issues with their, um, with their sales ratios, then we look at, okay, is it specific carriers that you're having issues with? Let's look at the types of leads that are going to that carrier. Can we make any adjustments? So we work a lot more closely with our partners than we used to, to optimize their closing ratios and to make sure that their carriers are getting the types of leads that they want, because it needs to be a win-win-win. Or it needs to be a win, 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 win. It needs to be a win for the consumer. It needs to be a win for us, for the broker, and for the carrier. And, and we're recognizing that more as time goes on, that we need to be cognizant of all four of those. Because before, we were just looking at the consumer and just ourselves. And now we're really understanding more of the needs of the broker and, and the carriers. One of the good uh, thoughts you had is you talk about uh, cost of lead, but you also talk about quality of lead. Have you found that uh, one, any, any one of your marketing produces better quality, your organic versus your paid search versus your social uh, versus radio versus different channels that you do? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Jeff, because there's a lot of different lead companies out there that, that try to sell leads for a low price. It 
doesn't matter how much a lead costs. It matters what your acquisition cost is. You know, a $1 lead that never closes is, is useless because it's going to, it's going to waste the time of all your brokers. And right. So you, you should look at cost per acquisition. So from our perspective, what does best uh, organic or organic does best if you rank really highly. So we rank at the top, you know, if you compare any company in Canada, we rank at the top probably most consistently from an organic standpoint. So if you rank very high, organic's good. If you're further down the page, organic is not good because the only people that you're going to get in organic if you're further down the page are people that for some reason have not got insurance from the ones at the top. And so those are the people that can't get insurance, you know, the, the, the problem drivers, the new drivers, etc. Um, so organic works well if you're near the top. Um, Google AdWords works well. And then, you know, certain types of Facebook ads can work well. You know, retargeting works well. So we, we own our own brokerage called Direct Rate. You know, and one of the questions we get is, whoa, whoa, aren't you going to give the best leads to Direct Rate? But we actually don't. We use Direct Rate as kind of a testing ground where we test new advertising channels. And we need to make sure that the sale to lead ratio can be in and around that 10% for any new marketing channel. So we've tested all kinds of things. You know, we've tested working with, you know, sites like AutoTrader, you know, to, to banner advertising, to, to, to lots of different things. And we found a lot of things that didn't work. So, you know, our bread and butter, where we generate most of our leads from, is Google Organic and Google's paid search. Do you guys have any white papers or does, does Justin have any idea on the the life cycle economics of running an aggregator? How long do you need to keep a client on what sort of retention rates before this thing is a reliable uh, cash flowing business? If you're building a brokerage solely on digital leads, regardless of whether they're aggregator leads or regardless of whether whatever, however you're generating the leads, you're going to be digging a hole because you've got your marketing cost and then you've got your broker cost. And so that's why it's massively important that you can retain people. Like, how do you keep people from going and searching again next year? Like, what is the value that you're bringing? Are you creating that one-to-one -one relationship? So I know with our own brokerage, we, we dug a massive hole. And, you know, the hole kept getting bigger probably for the first three years. But I know, you know, for the last three years, our brokerage direct rate has been profitable you know, despite continuing to bring on the new business because that retention ha has come in. But it's, it, it is expensive. You know, building business in this world is expensive because the competition is only a click away. As more and more people go online, it's easier to compare and to search. So you've you got to get better at keeping people, at keeping people loyal with you. Do you, do you have any of the, the economics or framework around, hey, here's how we speak about it? Um, you know, much like you target um 10 percent closing rate is there a target retention rate or yeah that's information we don't get as much from our partners i mean those are probably better questions to ask to a to an owner or a ceo of a brokerage who's grown on the backs of digital leads right but i guess the point is adam like buy leads from us or don't buy leads from us my challenge is you know how are you going to grow how are you going to generate leads if it's not with us like I hear a lot of companies saying they're going to rank on the first page of Google from search. They're not like you're not going to get on the first page of Google from an SEO perspective unless you spend tons of money and you have five years and then maybe you will. Right. From a from a paid search perspective, from a Google AdWords, 
you, you could probably be successful generating a small amount of leads, but if you want to gener generate a lot of leads, like some of our partners buy hundreds of leads from us per day, per day close to 500. They can't match the price that we're generating because you know, people like lowest rates, the name. We, we have a conversion funnel that's exceptional. And, and like, I'm not, I'm not saying that people should, that the brokers should buy leads from us at the exclusion of everything else. I think that they should continue to look for what the lowest cost per sale is from them. I just don't know what else it is. I think a, a key thing is the cross-sell. Lowest rates is outsourced marketing, right? Like you're outsourcing your marketing so that you can get a better or more stable uh, customer acquisition feed. And it's true. And it, I, I don't think it's well understood or discussed. One, I don't think enough people talk about acquisition costs. So I think you're bang on there. Two, I don't think enough people understand the, the size of the hole they're going to dig or the pace that they're going to dig that hole. And even once they start to wrap their head around that they're digging that hole, I haven't heard many people articulate the life cycle of how you're going to come out of that. Are you selling um, leads? Say I come into lowest rates will you? and I get a quote on auto. Will you then sell a, a home lead to somebody else if they're there? Like, Are you tracking their journey to make sure that that customer is not resold? So we do right now. So we could, let's say we sold you a car insurance lead and then the person decides to fill out home insurance on our site. We could sell that person to someone else. Yes. That's something we're, we're and not, we're trying to crack is how we, we sell those together and we still make the same amount of money. Home insurance is really tough. It's tough for us to make any money on. Generating home insurance leads is exceptionally expensive. There's fewer of them out there. It's pretty much a break-even proposition for us even. Um, so we're, we're, that's a challenge that we recognize that it would be better for consumers and better for our partners if we were able to sell them together, but we haven't cracked that nut yet. Is the auto lead I'm getting quoted with a home discount already added? Yes, if the per we allow the person to select that. So we say, are you interested in, in getting a 15% discount by combining property insurance with your auto insurance. I, I want to skip over to the mention of profitability and not the broker's profitability, but the insurer's profitability. Um, some have mentioned to us that uh, business from ag aggregators is, is producing a higher loss ratio, which will affect CPCs. Um, so you got lower retention and a higher loss ratio. Have you, have you been delisted by any insurers because of that? Have any brokers lost lost uh, contracts because of their use of aggregators? Yeah, I think this is a misnomer because the type of person that comes to lowestrates.ca is the same person that's going to come to you or come to a direct with your own advertising. We, we are the Canadian demographic market. In fact, in some cases with our largest buyer, we compared the demographics of our site versus their own digital marketing and our demographics were actually superior, which was surprising to us. So the fact, like if, if a carrier is trying to say that our that the risks are worse that are coming through aggregators versus any other sort of advertising, that's nonsense. We are we are Google. We are we are just a way that people find you. What we do, because we have so many people coming to our sites, is we will find the the holes, if you will. If there is a hole in rating that a particular carrier has where they're inefficient or they're charging too little, then we will find it very, very fast because all of that particular risk will go to that carrier that is 
priced inefficiently. It is underpriced. But we, we, we track that. So we have these what we call guardrails in place. And we have kind of a, a dashboard. And if we see any of those guardrails going out of, out of place, like, for instance, a certain carrier is getting too much cancellation on pay or they're getting too much Brampton or some other thing that's perceived as being negative, we will speak with the broker that's sending most of that to the carrier, or if it's direct, we'll speak with the, with the, with the carrier directly and say, hey, do you want this much business? Because maybe they do. In some cases, you know, carriers with telematics, they want younger drivers, so they're okay with getting more younger. So that's, that's a big change that we've made over time. In terms of how we've gotten delisted, so the only one we don't work with right now, and they don't work with any financial rate comparison sites for, for auto, is Wawanisa. And the reason is that I guess we were hitting some of the holes that, uh, that they had. And so they've come back to us and they've said, look, when, once we rectify that situation, let's work together to, to get us back up. So this is not really an issue that we've seen. Um, and it's something that we are happy to proactively work with brokers and carriers on to make sure that the sorts of risks they're getting are, are acceptable and allow them to grow their books together. How does a broker ever become self-sustaining so from a marketing perspective if they outsource the things to you and pay you guys and you've been exceptionally good at this for for nearly a decade now um clearly out of market leader have passed all the incumbents um how how do you view that world we work with so many different ones i mean look we work with you know if you work with pc financial they could generate leads through their grocery stores and through through shoppers drug mart you know, if you work with CAA, they can they can cross sell their members insurance. It really depends on the partner. It's way cheaper than buying a book of business, right? So at 10%, you're going to acquire clients at 360 bucks. If you go to buy clients in the market to buy a book of business, it's a thousand bucks, right? Like you could be really bad at closing lowest rate leads and it's still cheaper than a discounted brokerage you're going to buy. People want choice. If you look at every aspect of Canadians' lives, they go to Amazon or they go to Auto Trader or they go to Expedia or they go to Trivago. It, it's difficult to stop. I, I don't know how, how you stop it. So it's just, it's a, I think it's a matter of, look, if you can generate leads at a better cost per sale than us, then that's great. More power to you. But if you can't and we're the most efficient for you because it's, we're the lowest cost per sale and we're the most predictable, then you need to get as good as possible at closing our leads and retaining on them. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's Virtual virtualintell.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, Virtual Intel, cast certified. So I'm I'm a new broker. You've got uh, you know you mentioned Lance. You're doing stuff with TD. Uh, well, we'll take the direct writers out of it. But how do I know that um, you're not prioritizing another broker over me who has a bigger relationship? If I want to get started with you, yeah, it's a good point. So we we want to delight consumers, and so delight consumers means comparing as many companies as possible. We eventually want to compare every insurance company in Canada on our website because once we've done that, you know, there's no reason really to go anywhere else but to lowestrates.ca because we're always going to have the lowest price. So we want to delight consumers and we want to match consumers with the lowest price. We don't care who that lead goes to, whether it's brokerage A, B, C, or D or whether it's direct A, B, or C. We want to make sure that they get the lowest price. And so that's what we do. Um, and so as long as your brokerage offers the lowest price, you'll get that lead. When you sign up new customers, are they adding, you know, is it is the typical profile of a customer of yours, they come on, they buy X number of leads, and then a year later they're buying 2X and then 3X and so on. So you know, you, you can grow customers or you can grow the depth of relationship with customers. My, my hypothesis is if that you're doing both of those, you're providing good value and therefore whether some of the specific mechanics are good, bad, or indifferent, the value they're getting suggests that they want to keep investing in that. The compound annual growth rate of our top 10 customers is 63%. So that means that, that, that on average, they're buying 63% more leads from us this year than they did the year before. And, and you know they've stayed with us on average for more than three years. So typically, when you start working with us, especially our big partners, they keep working with us and they keep buying more leads from us because they see they can't get sales more efficiently than with us. One, one thing that struck me with one of your videos I watched uh, is in 2017, you said 8% of consumers visited your site. Uh, what did you get to in 2021 in terms of the population visiting uh, lowest rates? Yeah, so in, in terms of like, so when I referenced 8% in that speech at TechTO in 2017, that was the percentage of people that were visiting rate comparison sites overall, so the entire market. That's probably increased to just north of 20% of the population, but there's still a ways to go. Canadians are so slow to trust new companies and new entrants in the financial space. So we're way behind Australia and the US and the UK. But as time goes on and the snowball keeps rolling and people become more digitally savvy and so on, that's going to increase. I think COVID increased that. So we're, we're, but we're still far behind 
you know, the likes of people that just go direct to TD Insurance or Bel Air, the, the, the ones that they see on, on TV all the time. And then you mentioned uh, also that the I'm not sure if the UK was at 50 to 70 percent when you were over there in 2012. Do you see the Canadian market getting to the point where 70 percent of our consumers will shift? Yeah, I think there's no reason why it wouldn't. I mean, people don't want to waste money. We pay. It's so hard in, in, in cities like Toronto and Vancouver. It's so hard to live. We pay such high taxes, people simply can't afford to spend more money than they need to. And so they're going to look for ways to save money any way they can. People want choice. They're used to comparing in every other aspect of their life. And once they realize they can do it in personal finance, I see no, I see no reason why more and more won't continue to. What percent of the leads that you, you sell get actually placed with the market that you gave the quote for? Look, this is something that we, it's a challenge for us every day. We talk to our partners every day and we make changes to our quoter to try to get the quotes as accurate as possible because it does neither of us any good if when they talk to the broker, the price is way out of whack. They're gonna accuse us of being bait and switch and they're gonna be upset with the broker. They're never gonna use us again and they're gonna have a negative feeling towards the broker. So this started when we worked with Adam way back when, when we went back and forth daily, trying to change questions and assumptions to try to get the prices exact. And it hasn't changed till now. It's still a big problem and it's a big challenge of ours. We're, we're in the middle of it again for the maybe fifth time of building another tool that like it's so hard to get the... <laughs> the tool to, to work the way it really should work easily. We don't even get the right price when the broker puts it in accurately. Actually, on that subject, so Justin, you spent time in UK, you may have used a UK-based aggregator. And we've talked about this a few times here when we talk about digital, about connectivity and you know, the benefit that has to a broker and so on. So the UK, far ahead of Canada on that, it, does UK have this problem? I don't know. I'm not the right person to ask because I haven't been in the UK for a while, but they're far ahead of where we are here. I mean, the insurance industry is not the most progressive industry in the in the world in Canada. I think there, there there's a ways to go in terms of uh, in terms of rate accuracy, in terms of you know the insurance company speaking to the broker, speaking to the rate comparison site. So I, I assume it's far more accurate in the UK, and this is an area that needs massive improvement in Canada. Who do you think needs who more in this in this ecosystem? Does does lowest rates need brokers, or do brokers need lowest rates? I think it's symbiotic. I think it's one of those cases where we need each other. I, I don't know how a brokerage, how an average brokerage, could grow without using lowestrates.ca. And that's a genuine question. I'd love to hear ideas because I've not heard the answer. Um, and for us to grow with the number of people that, that come to our site increasing every day, we need brokers or we won't have a place to sell the leads. I can give you an example. In Alberta, we artificially try to constrain the number of leads because we can't find buyers right now. Not because our leads aren't very good, but because insurance companies don't want new business in Alberta. And they're telling brokers, if you send me any new business, you're going to lose me as a partner. How do you solve that? Like if, if a consumer comes in, it's it's easy, obviously, if if you have 100 brokers ready to buy and each of them have a dozen markets, and that means you have nearly the whole market. But what do you, what do, you do at midnight or pieces when you have no buyers or in marketplaces where there's Alberta. Yeah. So in Alberta, what we do is um, w when we show them the company with whom they're matched, we double verify. So we say, you know, are you sure that you want this company to call you? 
and then they have to click the button again. And, and that lowers the number of people that, um, that go through the funnel. That wouldn't seem like a large fall off. You know, and it, it, we, we realize this is cyclical. Like Ontario was there a couple of years ago. And now, you know, people tell us in Ontario, give us as many as you can, Justin. We need more leads. We need more leads because, you know, carriers are making money. So Alberta will go back there also. Who's your biggest competition right now? Is it like the Raid Hubs, Insurance Hotline? Is it other aggregators? It is a direct writers? The biggest challenge right now is just awareness. Like most people still don't know that sites like lowestrates.ca exist. So, you know, I wouldn't say that rates.ca or Raid Hub are, are, are competition. I think that, you know, more people finding out about them, a rising tide lifts all boats. It helps people to find out about us. In terms of like competition and AdWords and so on, it's it's largely the directs, the direct to consumers that have the big bucks to spend. Um, they don't need to pay a percentage of their profits to to brokers, so they're taking that and they're spending it on advertising and so on. So so that's probably our biggest competition for leads. You know, when it comes to the other aggregators, like we have a different view. We're not trying to build a huge digital brokerage. Like we want to. We want to connect consumers with the lowest possible rate, whereas rates.ca and RateHub, they're looking to build the biggest digital brokers possible. So they want to consume as many of their leads for their own brokerages, and then if they have any left over, they'll distribute them. So they have a different model than us. Shouldn't you worry about some of the other knock-on effects of the quality? Or I, I would say so, but I think that's where you need to know your own operation, and you need to look at, look, not just, not just the cost per sale, but also the sorts of sales you're making. Like, are you getting the wrong sorts of risks? Are you, are you selling the kind of risks that are not going to turn into retention? Or are you getting the types of risks that are gonna upset your carriers? So that's where you have to have that sophistication and be able to see, okay, this is where these sales have come from. Are these the type of sales that I wanna make? Because cost per sale is just kind of the baseline metric you need to look at. Then you need to look at the quality of business. Do you have a do you have a data scientist right on uh, right on staff? Well, for yeah, so for lead quality, what we first look at is 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 as we say, so sales percentage. So we run all the different lead sources through our own brokerage first to make sure that they're comparable to Google. That that's kind of the the, the baseline that we use. But then in terms of like, are we sending the right sorts of risks? We have a whole team of analysts that looks daily and like we have this dashboard where we look daily at each buyer and each of the different um, demographic profiles that, that, that partners may be concerned about. And we say, okay, what should be the target? And if we're below target, it's green. And if we're above target, it's red. And we have meetings every single morning, this team does, to make sure that no one's in the red. And if they are in the red, then we reach out to the broker or the carrier and we say, are you okay with getting this number of leads? Because we, we want to keep it equal. Like we don't allow as much filtering as, as some of our competitors do because we, we know, like, excuse my French, the shit rolls downhill. Like we don't want to give one buyer all the primo leads and then leave all the stuff that everyone else doesn't want to everybody else. Like that's not, that's not a sustainable way to do business. And I don't think it's fair either. So we try to keep people within kind of an acceptable range. Like you have to take this much from Brampton, but so does everybody else. So it needs to be fair. The, uh, the various market shares by carrier, by broker carrier, you can go to IBC, look it up, you know, Intax got 18% or whatever, Viva's got nine, 10, whatever it is. Do you, do you track sort of where, your leads go to by carrier and, and do you do sort of match me, measure that against what the various market share is yeah we definitely look at the carriers 
that we're sending the leads to. And we make sure that when we see that certain carriers are kind of getting ahead of where we expect them to be, that they're getting the sort of business that they want. You know, of late in the past year or so, CAA is massively over-indexing. So the partners that have CAA, their sales ratios are better and they're getting more leads. I used to run uh, Aviva for Western Canada and uh, we, we thought we had our pricing right for Alberta, for Alberta Auto as well. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out for them. Hey, one thing I was really interested, Justin, is the lessons you learned as a startup. And I'm sure Adam could attest to it and all of us here about, you know, the power of bootstrapping and being able to do that. You know, I thought I was really intrigued by what you learned and how you, uh, you avoided going to the well or getting a ton of external debt to be able to grow on. And, you know, maybe share with our viewers some of the lessons you learned. Yeah, it was really hard. I mean, look, you, you, if you're going to bootstrap, you have to be ready. I did everything except for coding just because I don't know how to code, but you know, everything from product to marketing to sales to, to taking the garbage out, right? It, it's very difficult. I think you have to be really focused. I think you have to say no to almost everything and yes to only a small number of things. So we said, okay, look, we're going to start with just car insurance. We're not going to focus on anything else. And at the beginning, we're going to focus on just moving up the Google rankings. And so at the beginning, we just, we licensed kinetic software. We were a, we were a, um, a white label. And then once we had enough traffic come into our site, then we got a quota. And then once we got a quota, you know, we, we signed up with Adam and we started sell, selling Adam leads. And then, you know, we started getting more and more and more and more partners. So, you know, I think focus is so important when you're bootstrapping and, and the willing, willingness to sacrifice, right? Like I didn't pay myself a salary for three years. Um, I worked like, I called it the dungeon. It was this basement shared office with, with no windows. You know, I worked, you know, no holidays. I was, I was on holidays answering the phone, lowest rates, how can I help you? You know, like you, you just, you just, nothing, nothing can be beneath you. You just have to be willing to grind every single day. You know, obstacles can't take you off your track. And, and the fire in the belly from your wife, not thinking it was going to work also probably. Uh, yeah, you've seen the video. One last question for me is, uh, what did you learn from the casino business? Well, I think I felt so guilty taking money from people in the casino industry that I had to figure out a way to give back. <laughs> but, um, but no, you know, the thing I learned from that, I mean, the internet gaming industry is, is an amazing industry. The computers do most of the work. So the revenue per employee and the profit for employee that you can generate from online businesses and being able to make money when you sleep, like businesses that don't require you to physically be working in order to make money. That's the thing that I took the most away from the online gaming business. And I wanted to make sure that any business that I started, the computer could do a lot of the work and I could make money like this, like this, like this, without me actually having to do work. Because I started doing consulting um, after, after I was in the online gaming space. And I didn't like it, firstly. But secondly, I realized I only made money when I was actually like working myself. As a, as a consultant, I'm thinking, yeah, he's right. You know, I hate working. I'd rather make money not working. So uh, thanks for that tip, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> But it takes a while to get money. I made no money for three years doing this, so it takes a while. It, it is it is the way of the future, right? I mean, every sort of online e-commerce oriented business in theory has that thought process behind it. Do you actually prompt people to remove coverage to make a quote cheaper? So we test, you know, if you come to the site and, and Jeff and Adam and Tom come to the site, you might see four different instances. What we try to do is we try to generate the most accurate quote 
So we change things where we default to yes, you know, based on certain circumstances, like if you have a new car or you lease the vehicle, or we default to no if you have, you know, a 15 year old beater. Um, so we try to guide the consumer to make the right choices. No, no, we, we don't want to generate the lowest rate if it's going to be inaccurate or if it's going to result in improper coverage for the consumer. We want the consumer to have proper coverage. And it, this is more so in home insurance than it is in, 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 um, in car insurance. In many cases, we default to something that's going to generate higher coverage because than our competitors do because it's the right thing. That's changed over the years. That's from talking to people like Adam and talking to other partners who said, guys, you know, you're doing it the wrong way. Because at first, when we were starving, we wanted to generate leads at any cost. But now, you know, we need to delight consumers and we need to keep our partners happy so they stay with us for many years. What if uh, I want the second cheapest? Yes, no, you can't. Because we don't want to sell the lead more than once. So what we say in that case, because we do have quite a few people that ask us that, we say, look, you know, and this is specific. This is where brokers have an advantage over directs. We say, you know, broker X has access to these 10 insurance carriers. And if you've had a bad experience with one of them, then the broker who's a specialist can help you choose another one that's best suited for your needs. How do you decide what companies you're quoting to consumers at any given time of day? Does it change? It's who's available. So the, the best prices for consumers are going to be in the morning. And then as we use up cap space for different insurance companies, at the end of the day, your price is probably going to be higher. So if you use our site, use our site in the morning. Has anybody gotten upset that they've entered information and then it was sold to a broker? No, we've never had one complaint. I mean, we, 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 we're, we're buttoned up in terms of our privacy policies and so on. But no, we're very respectful. Like, we don't resell data. We only send it to one party. Like, we're, we're as honest as we can be. How many people since 2012 have been to your website, Ballpark? And I don't know how many unique visitors. I mean, total visitors, over 10 million. One question. I'm not sure this is trade secret, but what's a good uh, markup for lead selling? Do you try and have a 20 to 35% spread? When we generate leads through something like Google AdWords, we're basically selling it at break even. And that's just on our marketing costs. That doesn't count our fixed costs. You know, in some cases, so we, we had a partner come to us earlier this year saying, Justin, we need more leads. Can you generate them for us? And we said, okay, the next, how much is the next incremental lead going to cost us to generate? It was like 45 bucks. So, so there's some cases where let's say our average cost per lead is 30, but, but the next cost, some of those are in the forties, right? So we're not really making very much money on our paid leads. Now our organic leads, we're making money, but we have a whole infrastructure that we need to, to pay for to support that. So our hope is that by by doing paid leads, we're introducing people to our site and then they're going to tell their friends and they're going to tell their family and they'll buy something else from us. But no, we're not marking it up very much. You, you've invested millions, tens of millions or greater in that infrastructure. So I think that got a little glazed over in like, well, the, the time and money over nearly a decade to make the SEO engine. So yes, there is a margin, if you look at it a snapshot today, that margin is far diluted if you take a decade of investment into it. Yeah. And, and look, despite that, we still have had challenges. I mean, we got hit with between 2019 and 2020, we got hit three Google updates in a row where our rankings moved down. You know, thankfully we righted the ship and in December, 2020, we saw a massive, massive increase uh, in our Google rankings. But, you know, you can do everything right. You can spend a bunch of money. You can 
do it, and and Google can change its mind in terms of how they want to rank you. So it's that's why I said before I think it's very difficult for the average broker to think that they can generate any meaningful amount of leads through SEO. I don't think it's going to happen. It's a never-ending war game, and if you don't have a decent team and you don't know what you're doing, you you can if you're relying on organic leads and then you fall off the cliff tomorrow. And that's one is a lonely number. If that's your only lead source and you lose it. It's nice to have different uh, options, right? Yeah, I mean, we tried this with direct rate. We wanted to see. And, um, <laughs> you know, before we could get it down to, to $30 a lead, it took us two months and we were 100000 in the hole. No, we can generate 10 or $12 leads in AdWords, but can uh, only a certain number can do that, right? Uh, and it's more long-tailed stuff and it's more challenging, right? And it's, it's a moving target. You do well this week, this month, and then it goes, it's kind of like Bitcoin goes up and down. <laughs> you have to be ready to, to ride it out, right? So. Well, and that's the thing. We provide predictability. You want 20 leads a day, you get 20 leads a day. So let's, um, let's, let's move to uh, wrap this up here. And Justin, we, um, our tradition is that we give our guests the opportunity to do said wrap up. So, um, you know, we have a few hundred uh, brokers watching our show on a pretty regular basis, along with some carrier reps and other folks. So, um, uh, I want you to here's an opportunity for you to uh, to speak to uh, to our audience. Uh, I mean, obviously, they've heard you for the last uh, hour or so talk about you know be interrogated by the crew here and uh, do you, do your best to explain how lowest rates work, but here's here's an opportunity just to speak, you know, step up on the soapbox and talk about uh, what you guys do and give us all the pitch. So uh, I'll, I'll turn the microphone over to you. Thanks, Tom. No, I mean, we would love to speak to your audience. We would love to speak to brokers that are struggling to grow and that want to find new avenues for efficient, scalable growth. You know, we're excited to work with you to explain our business and to answer any questions that you may have because we want you to be successful. If you know of a way that you can generate sales on a scalable basis for a lower cost than us, then absolutely, you, you should take that opportunity. But if you're looking to grow in a predictable way at a predictable price, we think we're a great option and we'd love to talk to you. Awesome. What does the, uh, what does the future hold for lowest rates? Well, we want to keep growing. You know, We want to keep saving Canadians money. We want to be the first choice for brokers who are looking to scale and grow their business. And we want to keep doing what we're doing. We're having fun. You know, we, we enjoy the industry. None of us started in the insurance industry. So we're, we continue to learn from people like yourselves and just keep going. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, uh, Justin, I want to say thank you very much. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to uh, IFS Premium Finance, our title sponsor, along with uh, the crew group. Uh, and uh, Garrison's and our charity partner, Wick. So thanks to Garrison's right there. <laughs> That's our, our favorite beer sponsor is Garrison's, obviously. Um, so uh, so thank you very much to our, our sponsors without whom this would not be uh, possible. And Justin, listen, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I hope you uh, found it as enjoyable as we did. I think we had a great back and forth. And and I, th I think there's you know there's there's some party thoughts and we've we've touched on it uh, here and I think uh, you know Congress uh, one of the points you and Adam hit on is is regardless of what your source of leads are and you talked about how you guys are you know, scalable and predictable and so on it's great one of the things we've talked about I think is very compatible with that is the operational side is you know being able to manage your leads being able to get back to people quickly being it measuring what it is that you want to actually have an influence on. And I think these these things are very simpatico and very much part of the overall growth pattern or strategy for a broker. So is 
awesome to have you on here and talk about uh, talk about you know something that is super important to brokers. So thank on behalf of the group here, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.